It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Maybe you already heard it from Glenn Burns or Brad Nitz that you're waking up to rain. I'm so sorry. It's going to be a really soggy Saturday, but nevertheless, it's going to be a great day, guys. Thanks for being here on 95.5 WSB. Ashley Frasca hosting Green and Growing until 9 o'clock this morning. Can't wait to hear your garden stories or even just your garden questions. 404-872-0750. Talk to Walter Reeves in the last hour about assessing frost damage, whether or not uh, some of your things were zapped with that really cold temperature drop Wednesday night into Thursday morning. So if you have any concerns about that, you're certainly welcome to call in as well. Really glad to have Lauren on the line calling from my hometown of Woodstock. Good morning, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So what's um, what are you looking to try? I'm so excited for you. First of all, I want to tell you, I went to Sam B like a year and a half ago, and it's amazing. It was um, really neat. What time of year did you go? I saw the signs for that. That's pretty popular. Did you eat at some of the restaurants down there? Um, we did. Um, a friend of mine was actually, she does events and things. So I've been able to see, like, the filming of Ozark and, like, go behind the scenes of, like, all this other stuff. So I think I got a little bit more than typical people did. Yeah. But um, it was really cool. It's a hidden gem for sure. And, I mean, you know, the farm is still being, you know, produced and cultivated and things like that. But the parts that I saw were just really beautiful and I love that everything's organic you know and they're just naturally out there hand pulling weeds and things like that but all the restaurants you know like I had roasted kale on my chicken tacos and that kale came from the garden so that was pretty cool and it it even tastes better it tastes different (laughs) (laughs) of course oh yeah so I had a condo in Buckhead um had to move because I couldn't take the noise down here anymore and I, so I bought a new townhouse, brand new construction, everything, and I don't, up in Woodstock, so I don't know what the soil is like, because you can probably tell from my no southern accent, I'm from western New York, and the soil up there is very different than it is down here, mm-hmm. and um, so last year, I had, you know, tried to plant some, like, strawberries, and I learned that I had to buy more than, like, one strawberry plant, because they don't cross-pollinate, but... Up in New York, you know, we had wildlife, so you know, rabbits, neighbors that would take our strawberries mm-hmm. and just eat them. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what I can grow, and I don't know if I need to put it into like a pot initially because the because the land is being excavated to build additional townhouses where I am. Okay. Um, or if I need to somehow like turn over the soil or plant like something that's kind of above ground. So what established um, plants and things did the builder and the landscaper put in in the yard that you've got? Anything, or is it just a fresh slate? Um, just bushes. And then there's some wildflowers from the land that wasn't uh, 
that they didn't do anything with. Okay. So my question to you is, what do you want? Like, what do you like to eat? Um, how much time do you have to really maintain this? Or are we just maybe looking at, you know, you've got a full-time job or you've got kids and you're just looking for something that you want to grow and you want to eat it, but it's low maintenance? I need it to be low maintenance to start with. Um, the only thing I have other than me is a dog. Um, I had major back surgery in February, so I haven't really been able to work. Okay. Um, but... I'd really like to be able to grow, like, strawberries. I had tried zucchini, and I got the flowers last year, but they just fell off, and I didn't know if that's, like, when the zucchini are going to come, but I was, like, everything was just burned to a crisp because all I got is direct sun yes. all day long, and it's hot, um, you know. So that's so, really a good sign of, you know, when temperatures are too hot for too long is when they when these um, vegetables abort the flowers. I mean, ideally, things that we like to grow here, like squash and zucchini, tomatoes and peppers, that ideal temperature range is, you know, 70 to 80 degrees. And if there's a lot of days where the highs are above 90 or if there's even days where it's just simply too cool and it's below 60 degrees, they're not going to be happy. But yeah, those higher temperatures are when you see the plant just abort the flower and the flower will fall off. So that, of course, is, is beyond our control. But I would definitely give strawberries a try because strawberries are going to be really easy. And if you've got the back deck you know, at the townhouse or something like that. Maybe buy a container that's more long and rectangular. Um, like I said, I do mine in hanging baskets. Or um, long and rectangular, that's going to have room for the mother plant to put out the runners, and it's going to be able to widen itself that way. Or those really cool strawberry pots that are at Pike Nursery that you see, you know, maybe they're terracotta, but they have the pockets on the outside of the pot. That's going to be great because that gives the strawberries an opportunity to trail. And it's just all compact in an upright pot, so it doesn't take up as much space um, on your deck. And, of course, start with a really good garden soil um, from Pike Nursery. And you're going to see, you know, when you when you go to the stores and you buy the, the potting soil and the garden soils, you're going to see the, the pictures of the vegetables and the fruits on the package and that way you know you're buying the right thing but I would definitely look more for the soil that's meant for vegetable gardening rather than just potting soil you know where we're going to put like flowers and annuals and things in and you do need full sun most of the day for strawberries and that's the same for tomatoes and peppers and also Lauren if that is something you wanted to try um, I, I would say that it is safe to go ahead and plant in your yard I know you said there's still a lot of active construction um, going on. So, you know, tomato cages and protections may be appropriate to where just nothing gets trampled or bothered if there's still a lot of equipment and people going through there. Um, but same can be said for all of these that they need full sun and really early afternoon sun is is the best and the brightest coming out of the east as the sun rises. But tomatoes and peppers, the good thing about those is they're self-pollinating. So they've got the male and the female part of the flower to where you don't have that cross-pollination need. Um, and the bees or the wind or just any kind of vibration like that is going to make the pollen fall where it needs to in those plants. And when you plant a tomato plant and pepper, a lot of people plant them at the same time just because the, um, the, the time to maturity is about the same. It's maybe 45 to 60 days until you see a mature tomato from the time it flowers 
to the time you have fruit, 45 to about 60 days. And um, squash and zucchini, that's going to take a little bit longer and, of course, more room. You know, you're going to need that to lay out more on top of the soil, so a little bit bigger bed, a raised bed is ideal, but about 60 to 70 days um, for maturity. And also, Lauren, something you may not have mentioned, I don't think, but maybe a good idea um, towards maybe the entrance to your townhome there. I don't know what foundation hedges or shrubs are in place, but blueberry bushes are a great idea Mine have stayed a great compact shape in pots. Now, it is probably time after four years that I'm going to need to go up about another inch or two in pot size, but mine have just stayed pretty stable in the 16-inch pots that they've been in on the back deck. And Rabbit Eye is going to be the best variety of blueberry for our area. So when you go look Rabbit Eye, and you do need another blueberry to cross-pollinate it, but get different kinds. So get, you know, two different varieties, and that way they're going to pollinate each other and complement each other. Is blueberry something you've thought of? Um, yeah, I love them. My dog loves them. That's a great idea. Yeah, so there are some ideas for you, but if you, uh, I mean, if you want to keep me up to date, like, this is fun because we could be doing this at the same time. We could be, like, growing our tomatoes and our blueberries and all that at the same time and can keep up with each other's progress. But welcome to Woodstock. I'm glad to have you as a neighbor. Thank you. So if I, like, take out the pine straw that they have put down, because my section of town house is just done, mm-hmm. and they just put down, like, that generic pine straw, um, I was going to take that out and put down, like, a mulch. Should I maybe put some other kind of soil underneath? Some, I I've never, I'm not, like, a gardener. Should I put down, like, a soil and then mulch over it and be able to plant underneath that? What's key is breaking up the soil really, really well that's there, you know, which is probably a lot of Georgia red clay, but they've probably moved it around and excavated it and stuff so much it may be broken up okay. But it wouldn't hurt to go ahead and definitely till in a couple of bags of a good garden soil, okay, just amend that soil well enough with some fresh, you know, because the garden soil is going to have all the things that it needs to be able to retain moisture. It's not going to stay compact and all of that. But then I would honestly just rake that pine straw off to the side, get it out of your way, you know, add some garden soil in there, but then keep that pine straw as a, as a natural mulch. That's going to work just as fine as bagged mulch is. It's just a matter of preference, you know, how it looks as to whether you want pine straw or pine bark or bagged mulch or something like that, but kind of keep that. I mean, that's already a free resource that you've got there. So, yep, I think you are well on your way. And like I said, maybe some garden edging or cages if you do choose to do something like tomatoes or peppers or, you know, protecting the squash or something from walkways and construction traffic and all that might not be a bad idea. I'm so glad you called, Lauren. Thank you so much. We're going to talk to Mary in Lilburn about a fig tree and Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery on the phone as well. And your calls, 404-872-0750. We'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. An update on the weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. One word, rain. That's it. That's how you need to plan your day. So wear the rain boots, wear the tennis shoes, wear the rain jacket, and carry the umbrella with you no matter where you go. Welcome back to Green and Growing 404 750 Mary in Lilburn up next. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Not so sunshiny day. I know. I'm kind of <laughs> bummed out. But nevertheless, it'll be all right. That's we'll have a lot right. of sun tomorrow. <laughs> Yep, we need it. 
Yeah. Okay. I have two parts to my question. We have an Italian fig tree. And we need to know when the figs are ripe Mm -hmm. and when they are, how do we prepare them? Okay. So I've got a new little dwarf fig that I have yet to put in the ground and I'm so excited. How big is yours though? An Italian fig, that's got to be pretty large. Uh, well, I'm five feet tall <laughs> and it's probably another four feet over me. So Sounds we'll about see. right. Yeah. About 10 feet high. Okay. So three things, three ways to identify when you've got ripe figs. And we're really kind of looking at August, September, Mary is when we're planning on harvesting those so plan accordingly but you're going to go by sight by touch and by taste so sight celeste figs are really popular down here in the south brown turkey so the color changes from like a green to more brown or purple so Mm -hmm. the deeper that color gets and we have those trees also those big trees as well Okay, perfect. So you've got a couple of different varieties. And then by touch. So soft to the touch when gently squeezed, you know, and unripe figs as they're green and stuff, they're still going to be pretty hard and pretty firm. But, you know, when people grew up as children around fig trees, just being able to grab that off and bite right into it, almost like an apple. So a little bit softer, just like that. And then taste. You're definitely going to be able to tell because you want that rich, sweet taste from a fresh fig right so the most effective way to just tell when figs are unripe is eat one before the peak and then you'll definitely kind of know unripe versus when it's ripening up now the way to prepare a mary i'm going to leave that open to um some of our listeners because i aside from fig newtons when i was a kid hand to god (laughs) i have never eaten a fig and that's why i'm so excited I know. That's why I'm so excited about trying one this year. And I know there's ways to maybe put them in sugar water and do all of these things with them. But Big jam is just marvelous. Gosh, see, that sounds amazing. I mean, like, I know see, there's going to be... a nice piece of toast, whatever kind of bread you like, and just slather that stuff on. Oh, no butter even required. Just yeah. the big jam. I love it. So, Mary, if you'll do me a favor, and I'm actually going to talk to Mickey Gasway here from Pike Nursery in just a couple of minutes. Do me a favor and keep listening because... The listeners to this show are pretty darn smart and pretty darn experienced. So maybe they'll call in 404-872-0750 and let Mary and I know, how do you prepare them? What do you do with with a large harvest of figs other than share with the neighbors come August or September? Really can't wait to know. So Mickey Gasway and I are going to be helping you prepare the best soil for your vegetable bed and avoiding one disease that plagues us all, blossom end rot. We'll be right back after this. It's Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Halfway through the show, it's amazing. If I'm not asleep on a Saturday morning, how quickly time flies. Green and growing on every Saturday morning from 6 to 9, and glad you're here for the ride. Lots of great calls. David and Noonan going to be asking about a gnat problem on his houseplants. I have just the answer. And I gave kind of a challenge to those of you listening. Mary and Lilburn, a great Italian fig tree, um, knowing when they're ripe, knowing when to harvest them. 
but what in the world to do with them, how to prepare them. And so uh, Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I am great. So that's going to be my first question for you, my friend, because we actually had this conversation when we were strolling through Serenby earlier this week. Um, I was bragging about my new Southern Living little, little, uh, what was it, little figgy? Miss figgy. Miss, yeah. Yeah, little Miss figgy. Um, but so what in the world do we do with figs? You're you're a Southern girl. How have you prepared them? I, I just eat them off the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not much of a cook, so I haven't ever cooked them. I know people make jam out of them and they're delicious i usually have neighbors that do that man there's got to be some other things to do with them like i'm sure let's get creative i want to make a fig pie Mm -hmm. or something maybe or i don't know so somebody's yeah somebody's got to call yes i will i'll make enough to go around all right and uh mickey we had a great call from Jean and bremen in the first hour and her daughter bought her white hydrangeas, which I love, and she wants to make sure they stay white, which I'm sure they will, just genetically how that That's was made. Good. Yeah, white Sometimes variety. Sometimes you'll get just a little bit of color right in the center mm-hmm. of the plant. Right in the very center of the mop head, you'll get a little bit of color that you don't even notice unless you really look for it. Yeah, so there's nothing special to, to be done with no. the hydrangea. And you got to make no. sure, too, like in bloom right now is snowball bushes, a, a variety of viburnum so we got to make yeah. sure we're talking about the right plant because you know all the right. gardeners know that mop head hydrangea is going to bloom later on into the summer so right now we're seeing snowballs but um tell us a little bit about you know we know we've got a blue mop head hydrangea or maybe we want a pink and it determines on the acid or it's determined by the acidity of the soil if you have a more acid soil which we generally tend to here like 5.5 yeah. and, and lower in georgia it's going to be blue the more alkaline soil, which is when we add lime to try to change yeah. the color and make it pink. But tell folks, I mean, there there are some tricks to that, but it well, doesn't always work. Usually, if you've got pine trees in your neighborhood or around you, and you haven't and you haven't limed, your hydrangeas will be blue. Mm-hmm. If if you want them to be blue, and there's some of them that tend to be more blue, and some that tend to be more pink. And so, if you you add aluminum sulfate. To make them bluer, you make them lime to make them pinker. So sometimes people want them sort of purple, and you kind of have to experiment with that, I think. But there's some of them that tend to be one way or the other. Yeah, and it's going to take um, a couple of months, really, for right. even exactly. right now, if you start adding that lime to try to make the blooms pink or purple. So you may, you know, it, it may not happen in time. For next year. Do it for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's good advice. So you and I talking about great garden soil, and Lauren called just a little while ago from Woodstock, you know, new construction, you're just starting off with that clay soil, wanting to establish maybe a garden in the landscape. And I was telling her, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to buy a number of bags of garden soil, kind of till that in and break up the clay and all of that to to really get a good start um, for soil, for establishing vegetables. But you have a lot of great suggestions, not only for healthy soil, but thinking ahead to really, you know, planning for if we have diseases, if we have insect infestations, really how to get ahead of those. Right. Well, I have raised beds. I have one, two, three, five raised beds, and that's where I do my vegetables. I have a limited space, but it works really good for me. And initially, which I think about 10 years ago, Stan built them, and I used some garden soil, and I used, um, I think I used some soil conditioner, 
I use some lime. Be sure and test your soil. That's something else. And you need to do that early on because like we talked about, it's not instant. When you add that lime, it doesn't happen instantly. So test your soil. That would be a good thing for everybody to do. Go to the extension service or you can go to Pikes and pick up the, the package and then send it off. To the extension service, and they'll give you an accurate reading on your soil. Well, not but, only that, but they're not going to just give you, you know, like, oh, this is what your soil has in it. Like that print off provided by the extension service tells you what to do. Like, if you're a non scientist like me, here's what you need to add this, this, and this. Exactly and that is right. so helpful. Yeah. Well, you, the thing that I was most concerned with was the structure of the soil more than the nutrient they initially. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get it where it was soft and easy for it to grow and everything. So that's what we use some soil conditioner. I use some planting soil. And uh, I think I used some just plain old topsoil in there. I just mixed it together. And every year, and this is important, every year you need to add something back to your soil. This year I used mushroom compost and cow manure. I add that to my soil, and I work that into the soil. And it keeps it. My daddy used to say that the clay would reclaim itself. And this is, I don't have clay in there, but it's true with all of them. You need to have something in there to keep the to keep the structure of the soil good and to keep your uh, production up by doing that. Yeah, and if we had, you know, a heavy planting last season or maybe last summer and then we had winter crops as well, yeah. those plants are going to grow and they're going to thrive, but they're also, yeah, taking nutrients out of the soil exactly. in order to be able to grow and be successful. So adding back, like you said, is so important. Mushroom compost is great. Earthworm castings, that's something else. Yes. And this isn't something you have to make, guys. You just buy it well, already, already bagged. Cow yep. manure is great. Cow manure, and too. I, I add that. Now, I have to admit that I do some 10, 10, 10 in mine as well. And so I put, I do all that. I put the tin, tin, tin in it. And then uh, I get it all worked up just slow, you know, and it's probably at least eight to 10 inches deep because, or maybe 12 inches deep because it's been over time. And then I add three layers of newspaper over my, um, over the whole bed. And, and then on top of that, I usually use, hold on just a minute. On top of that, I usually use uh, wheat straw uh-huh. because I like I think wheat straw looks like a garden. And so I put that on top of it. And so it's all ready. All I have to do is pull the wheat straw back just a little bit and make a little X. And then I can plant my tomatoes or my peppers. Or if I want to do seeds, I pull it out a little bit more and put the seeds in there. Now tell me why in the world, why are you using newspaper in the garden? And the reason I do that, initially I did it to keep the weeds out. Mm -hmm. And it does. I mean, I have zero weeds, except sometimes a little bit of wheat straw will doing there but it doesn't do much because it can't get down into the soil because of the newspaper but it's mainly because I so I don't get uh, blossom in rot every year I have people come to me that's that's every other question in the garden is why is my why are my tomatoes rotting or why are my peppers rotting on the end and it's where the blossom was and it's because it doesn't come off right. And the reason it doesn't is because the calcium is tied up in the soil. And that happens when it gets wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. And so by using the newspaper, it keeps it evenly moist through the whole season. It, it's the best thing you can do for your garden, honestly. Yeah. Mulching is so important for that. And not only, you know, like you said, keeping a consistent moisture level with mulch, but also for, for plants like that, splashback is really bad for them, too. Mm-hmm. When it's raining really heavily and it's, you know, 
bringing mud and dirt back up onto the plant, the leaves never have an opportunity to dry out. And that brings on all kinds of diseases and fungal issues and things like that. So the newspaper and the wheat straw are able to just absorb that water down and it's not going to... It works great for me. And I will say the other thing is choosing the right plants. Um, I do an heirloom tomato or two every year, but I usually do those in either a big barrel or something like that so I can use new soil. The heirloom tomatoes were made for people that had farms that could rotate their crops. They're They're not resistant to much. And so you have to have, you don't want to plant the same thing year after year after year. So I put them in a, like a, a, usually a barrel or something, but I use like Better Boy or Big Boy or one of the ones that are more disease resistant. And those are the ones that I use for my main crops. That is great advice. And what else are you doing? I mean, as as other, you know, vegetables to grow alongside the tomatoes, anything else? I did mine the other day and I didn't get any um any frost damage, by the way, um, I because I when after I pl- I planted uh, pepper bell peppers and I planted hot pepper I, I planted a couple of ghost peppers for Bubba because he liked my bird. That's the parent. <laughs> yeah, I planted them for him, and then I planted um, better boy tomatoes and I planted some some that I grow from seed called um, sun sugars. I planted those, and then I planted squash. And I think it was something of butter or some taste of butter or something like that. It was a yellow squash. And then I planted some zucchini. And I planted some cucumber seeds. I like the cucumbers that go up on the uh, the, the trailing ones that go up on the, uh, the you know. The, up on the trellis. Uh-huh. Yeah, on the trellis. I, think of the word. Um, I like them because they're thin and they're they taste great. Well, so I used the seeds for those. And so you didn't get frost damage. Had you covered all of these things, or you just I, I didn't really come. I had the dice. I, I told you I put the um, the wheat straw over them, and I just went out just a few minutes before I went to bed, and I went out there and I just pulled the wheat straw up over them, and I got like I got one bit of damage. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, great. I was tickled to death. Yeah. All right. Well, we're headed over to Mickey Gasway's for a nice summer vegetable uh, platter, if you will. Tomato some sandwiches. Tomato and, yeah. sandwich. Oh, all day. Mayonnaise and tomato. That's that's easy peasy. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. I am so glad you called, Mickey. And folks can come see you at which Pike Nursery location? At West Cobb. That's right. I'm so Friday, glad. Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> that's right. And a rainy Saturday, too. So you'll probably yes. be staying in the yeah. greenhouse for sure today. Well, that's great advice on using newspapers. So you've always got something around the house that can be repurposed and serve a much yeah. larger purpose. Newspaper, free, simple, easy to prevent a lot of issues later on in the garden. Mickey Gazaway, I'm so glad you called. Great to hear from you. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye. We'll be talking to you soon. Have fun at that baby shower today. I've got a wedding later on today. So. All these fun events happening despite the rain, we can we can certainly make it. And also, uh, in Mickey and I's travels to Serenby earlier in the week, too, realizing, you know, wood chips as mulch, you give that a good four to six months to break down if a tree company gives you fresh wood chips. Um, let that break down. Let the pile just sit and hang or whatever. Make sure it's been four to six months so it doesn't rob um, the soil that you're putting it on, you know, of any nutrients or whatever. If you're just putting it in you know, beds around trees or whatever, it's fine. But if we're talking using it around your crops, it's best to let it break down. But at Serenby, the mulch or the wood chips rather that they had last year have been tilled into the soil, lightly tilled into the soil. 
and the breakdown over the course of a year made for such beautiful, nice brown dirt. So that's just another one of those elements that you could certainly incorporate to make much better soil for your garden. All right, a question about gnats on house plants. Up next from Coweta County, it's David. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. How are we doing today? Really good. I'm glad you called. How can I help? Well, we've got a small palm, and it seems that we're having a party of gnats in it now. Oh, yeah. And there, uh, we've tried a little bit of everything, uh, soapy water, um, organic spray. They just seem to have a party in the organic spray. And uh, we've even gone as far as we, we took the palm out and took it completely out of the pot wow. and rinsed it really, really well. Uh, put it in little soapy water, swished it around, rinsed it with a garden hose skin, and repotted it with fresh potting soil. Yeah. Um, they're still hanging around. Woo, you have jumped through hoops and done a lot of work, and I commend you for that because you're really trying to get to the bottom of what is causing this. But almost everything you said just then is, you know, making sure the soil stays moist and then, you know, with the garden hose and all of that, when you repotted it, the soil is staying too wet. That's what's bringing on those gnats. They're fungus gnats, so they thrive off that moist soil. The way you can, for anyone else who thinks they may have gnats, the way you can tell, this is kind of weird, but cut like a small sliver of an Irish potato, place it on top of the soil And if you lift that up after a day or two and you've almost got like tiny worms on the bottom of that piece of potato, I know it's gross, but that is going to be dark winged fungus gnats for sure, which is the problem that David you're having. So gradually control them. But first of all, start by just letting that soil dry out, whether it's a palm or just a smaller house plant, something like that, really using your finger. It's all you need. Stick your finger down to about your knuckle. And just make sure if that soil is completely dry, that's the time you need to water. But if it's even a little bit wet and some soil comes back on your finger, it's going to be okay for most things that stay indoors. Water them only when it's completely dry. And then, um, you know, just you'll kind of learn how much, especially now in the summertime, a large palm, other house plants getting a lot more light through the windows are going to be needing a lot more moisture, so you may have to water more often. But also, one half inch layer of dry sand could also go ahead and combat that because that's going to discourage the gnats from laying their eggs and producing more and more and more. So a little bit of dry sand on top of the potting soil, you don't have to dig it in or anything like that. Um, and a diluted insecticide, you know, if you're at your wit's end and you've done all of these other things and maintained the level of soil moisture and all of that. Drench the soil with a diluted insecticide, and that's also going to combat it as well. So, David, thank you for the call. I hope that helps. Water less. Easy peasy. Easy fix. All right, you're listening to Green and Growing. We're going to be back with the top three things to do in the landscape. Maybe not today, but tomorrow and this coming week. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. some time to update you on the weekend weather that is sponsored by finley roofing rain thunderstorms today 
going to be a washout no matter where you are right now in North Georgia from Macon all the way north to the North Georgia mountains. You are getting covered in the heavier rain now coming through Carrollton and starting to get into southwest Atlanta as well, heavy in LaGrange. So that's the forecast for today. But the good news tomorrow and Monday, sunny conditions, very similar highs in the mid to upper 70s and no chance of rain. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. Number one is you're starting to mow the, mow the grass a lot more often and you're enjoying the yard because of the warmer weather. Just look out for large dirt mounds. Upon further inspection, that could be fire ants. Mounds can actually get as big as seven inches high, maybe 24 inches across. So that's crazy. Hopefully you can get to them before they get that big. But a broadcast bait made by Andro or Ortho is going to do just fine. Number two is you're planning out your garden. If there's some things you haven't planted already, you can certainly be doing corn and beans and pea seeds. And you want to make sure that those taller things like pole beans and corn are on the north side of other vegetables to avoid shading. Plant two or more rows of corn for better pollination if you've got the space. And make a second planting within two or three weeks of the first when you're doing squash and corn and snap beans. That way you're not harvesting all of that at one time. And number three, if the tops of your leaves on your outdoor plants, I can't believe we haven't gotten these calls yet, but we will. If they're white and you look on the underside and you've got small spots of webbing, little black dots on the undersides, this could be on kumquats, azaleas, so many different shrubs. You've got spider mites. So use a horticultural oil. Always have that as a good standby, an organic gardener's best uh, defensive mechanism there. But spraying with a strong stream from the garden hose is going to knock those spider mites off. Do that two or three times in one week. I guarantee they'll be gone. All right, we talked to David about his houseplant. I've got a special little feature about houseplants coming up. I can't wait to share with you at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned. And then Pike Nursery at 8.30 to share with us a pollinator garden. You're listening to Green and Growing. It's WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.